0: Yo, welcome in to the House of L podcast. I am the L of House of L, kind of. It's a House of L actual episode today, which I'm very excited about. And I appreciate you hanging out here with me. We are having a lot of fun on the podcast. Things are going good. Football season is coming up. So let me tell you one of the things that we're going to do on house of l like we've done over the last couple of years i am going to do a pre-game and post-game bears pod i don't know if it's going to go any farther than that like if i'm going to extend this out to doing nfl or anything but we'll see i'll definitely do a podcast and it'll live here and i'm excited about it like i'm excited that football season is is back i'm I honestly, like, my body clock went off a few weeks ago. That's from, what, 10 years of covering the NFL. It still hasn't gone away, like, usually the beginning of July. I even start getting in shape. It's so weird. Because when I was covering Bears practice and training camp, you know, you're going to be in public. And... I never wanted those dudes to mess with me too bad. Like, obviously, I'm not going to look like them. Those guys look like the Avengers. But I wanted to be in some sort of shape so that I wasn't getting harassed by Mike Brown or Tommy Harris or whoever being like, hey, I I did a little too much eating of donuts during the offseason. So I usually get into shape. By the time the team reports, I'm usually in – the best shape that an old man can get into, but I'm excited about football being back, and it's cool because baseball is super interesting right now, but this is not this is not a sports episode per se, although we are going to talk a lot of sports and with my guests this week, but I just wanted to let you know that we're going to do what we've done with Bears football so far, and I'm really really looking forward to the season like i'm I'm so excited about football maybe looking like it looked in 2019. But that all depends on where things stand overall with with COVID. But we're going to do a lot of fun stuff this year. I promise you that for Bears season. Let me tell you about my guest. Stacy Dales is outstanding and I'm so so let me let me let me back it up a little bit and give you an idea of how I met Stacey Dales. And you have to understand that before I met Stacy Dales, and I've told her this, so I'm not speaking out of school, I was a fan of Stacy Dales. And I mean all the way back when we were in college. Like, we didn't go to college together. She went to Oklahoma. We were around the same age. So I remember watching Stacy Dales ball out at Oklahoma. I'd be like, man, she's incredible. And then... You saw her on ESPN, and I'm like, okay. And then she moved to NFL Network, and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, she is a legit baller that now really does a great job of covering football. So we met, God, I want to say maybe seven, eight years ago at Soldier Field. And when I go to Soldier Field, once I stopped covering the team, so maybe it was like five, six years ago, I stopped covering the team, I would still go to games. You just want to kind of get a feel when you can. Like, I think that's really important for talk show hosts to – you don't have to go every day because that's the job of a beat reporter. It would be nice if you could. But I like to show up. I like to make sure that I don't throw stones without showing my hand. I want to make people understand that I'm available, that if I say something on the radio that people don't like – they don't have to look hard to find me. I will be available for them to MF me and whatever else they need to do. But I would go to games and I'd hang out. And since I didn't have the stress of covering a game, I like to have a little bit of fun in the press box. And we were all goofing around one Bears game. And Stacy Dales, she sits in, in the back row. Like, I don't know why she sits with us. I'm sure that NFL Network could move her anywhere she wanted in the Bears press box but she sits with all of like the electronic media like all the ra- the crazy stupid radio people like me and she was laughing at some stuff that i said and i I was like okay here's an opportunity to introduce yourself and i and she's like i know exactly who you are cuz she listens all the time which you'll you know she she makes mention of that throughout the 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 interview and being that she's kind of the midwest regional reporter for NFL Network, it makes sense. So we've just been, like, cool, cool. Like, we've been Internet friends, and, and I've had her on the show a bunch of times, and she's great. I'm like, her, her road to this job, to me, is so interesting that I wanted to talk with her about it. But I also wanted to talk with her about her having legitimately a Hall of Fame basketball career. And how different those worlds are and what are the similarities between being someone who is the subject matter. Being the person that is talked to or talked about because you're playing a game versus then being the person who is asking the questions. And and what, what does it do for her that she has the experience of playing? at a super high level, the highest level of her sport in the WNBA and in college basketball. So it was fun to hear her talk about her road to getting to where she's at and how grateful she is for these opportunities. She doesn't take any of it for granted. And I just genuinely like her. Like I feel like we vibe... And I thought that it would be good to have her on the podcast as we get closer to football season starting back up. And she could tell us the differences between what it's like to cover the teams now versus what it was back then. So, I'm fired up. Wait, let me say it like Ryan Pace. She's going to get mad I did this. Let me say it like Ryan Pace. I'm totally fired up. I'm fired up about this episode because she's great. You should watch Stacey on NFL Network. And if you're listening, if you're within the sound of my voice and you're a fan of the Bears or the Packers or the Lions, she's around your team a lot, Vikings too. So listen up. This is Stacey Dales from the NFL Network. Do you mind if we talk basketball for a little bit? Well, I think
1: I know a thing or two about hoops, but first of all, okay. When you ask me to come on the pod, it's like the biggest honor in the world. Like I'm a huge fan of some Lawrence Holmes, So let's get that straight before we get into anything basketball wise. Okay. I appreciate
0: Done. that. That is very <laughs> nice of you to say. And you've been on the hit list for me for a while. Like a person that I want to spend some time talking to on the pod for a lot of different reasons. And it's so funny. I was talking with someone today and I was saying, Hey, you know, Stacey Dale is going to be on the podcast and. I know I've talked to you about this before, but I find it so interesting that like you lived this life like there. You were literally a Hall of Fame basketball player like and and now if most people were to be like, hey, where do I know Stacy from? I know her from breaking the biggest stories in the NFL and talking to all of these players. So how do you compartmentalize what's been like two lives that you've lived?
1: Wow, what a great question. Um, I, th- I think when I, when I started in the NFL, Lawrence, 13 seasons ago, um, which makes me relatively old. So I always date myself when I have conversations like this. And I'm not fond of speaking of myself. I think that's important to mention as well. But the way I look at it is I'm an athlete. Af- like when I talk to coaches or when I talk sports, my mind goes into athlete mode. I might be a journalist, but I think it's advantageous in the respect that regardless of the sport, you wanna talk a little baseball, you wanna talk hockey, you wanna talk hoops, football, shoot, tennis, I mean, soccer, there's a competitive element and you understand um, given your history as an athlete, there's a competitive element that goes with being a journalist in the sports journalism realm. And so I don't necessarily compartmentalize, I channel the energy that sort of I have as an athlete. You know, a dec- you know, decade ago, I retired from the WNBA over a decade, well over a decade. So, um, and then trans- transition that and transcend that into the locker rooms with the coaches and the players. And I think. You build trust that way. You have a sort of an understanding. Hey, we can talk about this. We can't talk about this. But mostly it's the energy. It's the vibe. It's the, the highs and the lows of what we live, right? Shoot, we live in Chicago, man. We're looking at a White Sox team that is you know, shooting up and ascending. We're looking at a Cubs team that is, goodness gracious, airing dirty laundry right now. We're looking at a, a Bulls team that has some off-the-court stuff going on. And, and at the same time, we got Justin Fields as the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I mean, you have to sort of, in a way, be able to, to understand what each of these teams is going through or these athletes are going through, regardless of the sport. So when I compartmentalize, um, I, I, I go from you know, athlete mind to expressing myself articulately as a journalist, and I'm grateful to do it. I love it. It's so much fun, right? What we do is fun.
0: You're really good at it too, and, and I always know that I'm getting. What I love about you in press conferences, because I I listen to press conferences like all the time. I listen to Bears press conferences whenever they're available, and you always ask a question that elicits a real answer, and I love that. Like you're, if you're asking Matt Nagy a question, I know that he's going to give you. He might not give you strategy, you know. He but he's going to give you something that I as a listener or a viewer to NFL Network, I can go okay, this is kind of what he's thinking and then I can use context clues to try and figure out what, what he means by that. Mm-hmm. Where did you where did you learn to start asking the questions that elicit the answers from athletes, coaches, general managers?
1: First of all, it just starts with an for me an utmost respect and um integrity, right? I, I've always strived to do my job. Nobody's perfect, including myself. I've just always strived to do it with integrity. And I think that that the, inten- the intention of what we do in life, the motive behind our, our, our emotions, behind the way we approach people, um, and the integrity that's involved in that intention, people understand that. You're either, you're, you're either walking the right way or you're not, right? So mm. I think for me, when I ask a question to Coach Nagy, there's a mutual respect there. And I'm not trying to throw him under, I'm not trying to have a negative tone. The intonation of my job and my objective is to derive information so that fans and, and folks can understand the true nature of what's going on with the team. So, you know, if I ask Matt Nagy, what specifically went wrong with Mitch Trubisky, and I ask it in a way that is respectful. I, I would hope that he would give me a response because there's a mutual respect there. Um, that started Lawrence back, all the way back. I started my career super young when I was like 22 at ESPN. And there was a guy named John Sawatsky and we, we actually had to do these uh, interview seminars with him. And I mean, shoot man, dude, this is 20 years ago, right? More and, or 20 roughly. and roughly. You're literally like, you know, anyone from Jay Billis to to Holly Rowe to, you know, all the all the greats um, are are taking these courses, whether you like them or you don't, whether you believe in them or you don't. There is an art to the interview, and, um, you know, hey, I'll just leave it with this: open-ended questions are good questions, and uh, they, they elicit responses. But I think it goes back to that sort of integral approach and the intentions that you have when you go into something what tone do you want to set shoot i want to ha- preserve my relationships i want to you know you know be sustainable as a reporter as a journalist there's been times in my career where somebody's wanted information from me or somebody's given me information that i hold i put it in the bank i lock it up and i take the key and i just happen to misplace the key because mm-hmm. there's there's no reason to sell out for, for the short journey, the journey has got to be a long one. So I think that's kind of the approach.
0: I want to go back to basketball for a second. Actually for a lot of seconds, I've got so many basketball <laughs> questions I want to ask you. What's the, what was the way that you were best coached and who got through to you the best throughout your basketball career and why?
1: Oh my God. I love this
0: question. This is why you're so good. Cause
1: you, you do this. Um, because the point you're already driving at is we're all coached differently, right? Some people need to be screamed and yelled at, don't do that with me. <laughs> because there's, there's a level of communication necessary that for me, that you're going to get the best out of me or you're gonna get the rebellion out of me. Mm. And so you know, my, my best coach was my college coach, Sherry Cole, which is why I went to Oklahoma back in 97 and was there for five years. We went to a national championship uh, humbly. And it, it, it was early on figuring each other out when you're the leader, when you're the point guard, or you're the leader, the captain of a team. It's, you know, you have to figure that relationship out with your coach. But if, if they're a good coach, they're going to figure out how to push your buttons and press your buttons the right way. And so it was a conversation. Hey, get over here you know, pulling me in with the reins, get the fishing line out, and, uh, you know, reeling me in and saying, hey, let's think about doing it this way, and, and I go back to my childhood, Lawrence. I had a coaching camp once. I think his name was Ed Bell. Brockville, Ontario, Canada is where I grew up, and he said I was in camp with him, and then I became a counselor, I believe, and the one thing I remember he said, and this was, shoot, I'm nine years old, whatever it is. You know, the most important thing to coaching and teaching is alerting somebody to what they've done. Well, first, we're so quick to, to tell everybody, Hey, don't do that. As soon as you tell somebody, not do that, what are they going to do?
0: Immediately you know, go out and do
1: it. Yeah. Mom and dad say, Hey, you're 16. <laughs> don't go drink. Don't go drink. What are you going to do? You're going to go get hammered. <laughs> right. So when he said that, I never forgot it, right? I never forgot it. So give the good always before the bad. And there's a way to give the bad because it's not an interrogation on you as a person. It's an interrogation on the decision you made as an athlete. So when coaches figure that out, Sherry figured that out with me. And trust me, they weren't all good afterwards. Um, But it goes back to that respect and integrity.
0: Where do you think that rebellious spirit comes from? in you
1: i'm not saying when i was 16 man that i you know was going to getting liquored up i don't think <laughs> i had a drink until I was like... <laughs> like there goes dales <laughs> there goes 16 year old dales with a basketball and a <laughs> bottle um no it uh, i think my childhood i think my brother was really tough on me and uh he challenged me in ways that I sort of can't really explain. We use, you know, we're good now, but it was a, it was a fist fight, if you will, metaphorically, growing up. So, I think I grew some, you know, thick skin or developed some calluses along the way, and and, um, just coming from a small town. I mean, you understand, like when you come from a small town. It's like 20,000 people and the opportunities aren't there. You you just, sometimes people have an innate chip on their shoulder and a confidence about them, a swagger about them. And I think that that kind of propelled me along with, you know, my brother kicking my ass behind me if, in a way.
0: Was it always basketball? I mean, this is, when you're growing up in Canada, it's right around the time of Vinsanity, but... <laughs> but not really so was it always basketball was there hockey were you a curler well what were the other (laughs) things that were available to a young Stacey Dales and how did you end up in basketball
1: that's a good question you know our national sport in Canada and I also consider myself American God bless um lacrosse I never dabbled that was for me that was boring I did have to take curling in high school it's mandatory just so you know no you're lying like I'm not I can't play around with that Lawrence, okay? This is serious stuff.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, there's an art to curling. Uh, gosh, we 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 should, you know, really get to a curling rink sometime because it's a fun game.
0: There is there is a place I want to say in the West Loop that actually does curling. I forgot the name of it. I hope that it still exists. I'm going to find it and we're going to go.
1: If there's beer involved, it's even better. So shoot if i mean if that's you know if that's of interest to you but soccer was my first sport small town you know you get to play the guys and the gals when you're five or six years old so that's you know that's what you do but i grew up in hockey rinks i mean religion in canada is hockey so my brother was an amazing hockey player like i'm not exaggerating when i say he had gretzky-esque like skills he could do things with the puck that I, nobody else could do at his age or in the ages, you know, one, two, or three years older than him. So I was kind of in awe of that. But then they started a house league in basketball for the girls. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So these things were, you know, not costly for my parents. Hockey was much more expensive, but he was so good at it. So they kind of put their eggs all in our baskets and and, and there you go. But I don't know. Basketball for me was in Canada was, uh, you know, I I felt like when I was eight years old, I remember vividly. I had a ball. We were playing in house league. So you're just these scraggly little kids, right, with these bad uniforms. And I, I had a no look pass to this other girl and she was wide open under the hoop. And the alarm bells went off, like, I can actually make this game easier for somebody else. And that's that's how my journey started. So I've always kind of had that, how can I make this a better situation for, for the people I'm playing with the people I'm working with? So whether that's in a stadium now on Sundays, covering football, or on a court somewhere in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> that's me. But... Um, by the way, I mean, shoot, growing up in Canada, I was such a Blue Jays fan. I was like, Carter, Winfield, John Allrooood. I was like when they won those back-to-back World Series, my parents let me stay up to watch that stuff and I was obsessed. So I was obsessed with that. I was obsessed with the NBA. It wasn't really hockey, necessarily. It was it was, you know, the Blue Jays and the NBA on nb at this at the time nbc it was that's how long ago it was so um i would watch triple headers i would go out to my driveway and i would shovel the snow away and i would because a lot of those games were in the winter months and i would play in my driveway in the winter so put the spotlights on and come in when i was tired
0: (laughs) who were the point guards that you patterned yourself after
1: Ooh, well, of course, magic. I mean, magic could do everything. And I, I felt like being versatile for kids, I think, is so important. Um, I mean, look at Shohei Otani. The guy can play outfield. He can play pitcher. He can play. He can hit. He can designate. He can do whatever you need him to um, because, you know, sign of the times, right? That, that's every sport. There's if you, more versatile you are. So magic, I love magic, of course. I love the underdogs though. I, I was like, John Stockton was, you know, just gritty to me. Um, I was a Dominique Wilkins fan. I thought he could fly. I literally thought he could fly. And then, you know, and then of course I just thought the majesty of, you know, forgetting being a point guard because the versatility thing, Akeem Olajuwon's ability to sigma and to move down in the paint and literally dance around defenders uh, was, was just unheard of the way he could do that. And then there was Jordan too. So there was a bunch of them and I pretended I was on each play in my driveway. I pretended I was one of those guys in any one of those moments, so.
0: I mean, that's a pretty good group. And and with with Akeem, you have that that connection of the soccer background and his incredible footwork. Like even now, when you see him <laughs> working with big men, you're like, my God, like the grace that he has. When, when you would get the ball in the paint, and then he was also able to show you the ferocity when he would get to the rim. It's, he's such, I don't want to say he's underrated because people know how great he is, but I think that as a, an example of how to evolve and play the game with a different level of athleticism, to me, like, he was it. Like, watching him was just a thing of beauty.
1: It was, and I try to look at the game now it's just such artistry over time. When you look at the, the, the NBA and the WNBA now, I mean, I'm continuously impressed at the level of talent and, and that we're seeing I mean, shoot, look at Candace Parker, she's 35 you know, playing at the level she's playing at, but uh, yeah, Akeem could do things that I look at Giannis and Dettacupo now, and I'm just like, To me, to play at that size and be literally unguardable, and then uh, like to represent all the big men, what's up, big men, like big women? (laughs) Like, we're in the NBA finals, okay? You know, boom. (laughs) Like, I'm just impressed. So I I think when you can build your team around a cornerstone like those guys, it's pretty cool. Um, But shoot. Heart of hearts, I'm a point guard. You, you give me some Pete Maravich video, I'm gonna watch it all day.
0: I mean, okay, I got you on that. Like the pistol. Chris was... Paul,
1: give me some Chris Paul.
0: <laughs> Why not? I mean, you look at his, what he's done in this this postseason, what he's done for the Suns, and he's done this kind of everywhere that he's gone. Finally, getting the opportunity to do this on the biggest stage, I think is a dope thing. And I'm I'm wondering, you know, if he can finish the whole thing off because I think that there are people who hold back on putting him in the top echelon of point guards because he doesn't have a ring, even though in every other category, he's right there with Zeke and with magic and with Stockton. He's right there with the best Steve Nash. Well, all the, the best points that have ever played the mm-hmm. game. And the only thing missing from his resume is a championship.
1: I just, you're right. I think it's remarkable that he's able to go to Phoenix and, be, when you can be the difference on a team, like I'm talking to the common denominator of why a team gets over that hump or becomes, you know, ascends to a point of becoming transcendent. Like I, he's that player. I mean, the things he can do, the way he controls, I think the thing that gets under talked about with Chris Paul is one player amongst nine other players on a court can absolutely control the tempo of a basketball game. That is the level of power and prowess and impact that he has. And because of his unselfish demeanor, you know, you could argue the sun should win just because, well, you know, Booker needs to play a little better than he did last game, but whenever this airs, but um, they play on strings. Basketball for me should be played on strings. What does that mean? how many times can you touch it in the half court set if it needs to be touched in the half court set um, or in the open court is, is the flow of transition in basketball on a string from point A to point B that advances. So I see the game that way. Chris Paul makes his team play on strings. It, it The ball can literally touch five guys um, and it's, it's really, really a pleasure to watch it's it's fantastic steve nash could do it i mean there's some there's some great ones that certainly um had that ability and have that ability but chris paul i'm rooting for him (laughs) i know we're not far from milwaukee but i'm rooting for chris paul he deserves this
0: i i love what he does off screen roll when they sag off screen roll and he's kind of brought the mid-range game back Because he's making people pay. Like, instead of, like, oh, no, it's not a three-point shot. What am I supposed to do now? He's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're going to give me this 15-footer? Cool. Watch me knock this down, and I'll keep knocking it down at, like, 85%. And then we'll see what you do on screen roll after I do that to you.
1: Yeah. It's almost like play action, right? Like, he's just so – you're right. I mean, pick your poison. Because he's been automatic, and when he gets that thing going – um, especially in the fourth quarter, it's, it's really become unguardable, but he's so adept distributing the basketball. I mean, he's the, you know, he's the, the, um quintessential point guard. He's the quintessential quarterback, right? Like think of the great quarterbacks in our game in football and they have that ability to, you know, whether it's, you know, play out of the gun or, or, you know, play action or, you um, you know, play under center. They have the ability to diagnose the defense and make the right decisions. The best quarterbacks do it for a long time. And Chris Paul's the same way in the game of basketball to me.
0: When you're getting ready to go cover a game, or, and I guess, I mean, I shouldn't say it that way because the process for you is a whole week. You're, whether you're with a team for a week or you're going from team to team for a week, what's this process like? Is you're getting ready for, let's say you're covering the bears and the bears are getting ready to play the lions. How do you go about prepping your week so that you make sure that you're taking care of bears fans, you're taking care of lions fans and you're giving the overall picture of what's going on inside the league.
1: Well, first of all, if I have a game like that, <laughs> I'm like what are the stories I can sell. And now that was the lions of the past. Um, cause the bears have been in the playoffs <laughs> sorry
0: D sorry big D wait would Uh, would you guys get Lions games in Canada because I'm trying to think like what what was the what was the NFL team for you that you guys saw the most Buffalo Bills baby the Bills okay the Bills yep you're you
1: you're a Detroit I think I saw you repping the D
0: yeah I went I went to Detroit and had a wonderful time and going all the way back to when I was covering the Bears every day I would always tell people like Detroit is a slept on great place to go. People are like, ah, Detroit. Ah. And I haven't been there. I think it's probably been 2012, 2013 since I had been to Detroit. And it was cool then. It was cool then. And I I was overwhelmed by how dope it was when I went a couple of weeks ago. It just it's it can you can tell that it's been gentrified. But it hasn't lost its soul. And I think that that's a delicate tap dance to do. And being in downtown Detroit, the thing that I always like to tell people about it is, it's convenient if you're a sports fan. The baseball team's right there. The football team's right there. The hockey team's right there. And I stayed in a hotel that was two blocks away from Comerica. I literally got out the car, put my bag in the room. And walked over to the game. And I was in a time crunch and still made it by first pitch because we were so close. And then it, it was like it was like Shangri La. It was this magical where I was going out to go find something to eat. I walk around the corner. There's an outdoor roller rink. There's outdoor like basketball courts. Brand new like design painted flooring on out outside. And it was I just saw a bunch of happy people and, and I said, this is Detroit. Like this is it right here. And I was amazed by, I, I will go back. Like that's how good of a time I had in Detroit that I am planning on going back there. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: I'm so proud of that city for the way it's overcome. Some of the some of the 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 destitute and 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 it's just going under the way that it did and there's people rising above it. But okay. So, okay. Here's what I know. I know we just
0: took a detour. I'm, I I know, but I
1: want to, I need to know this. This is important because you, you, you talk baseball so much. When you go to a baseball game, I don't care what game you go to. Okay. Okay, Before we get into how I prepare for a football game, I need to know what Lawrence Holmes buys at the
0: concession stand.
1: The concession stands, I want to know, what did, does Lawrence get beer? Does Lawrence get Coke? Does Lawrence get how many hot dogs? Are you a guy that sits and orders in the stands? Because you talk about baseball at such a high clip and efficiency. What do you do when you're a fan? That's critical to me because I'm like, I have a I'm a fan when I go to these things. It's the only thing I really go to as a fan, baseball games.
0: Okay, it depends on where I'm at. So if I'm at a White Sox game, and that's home base for me, White Sox game, I kind of know exactly what I want. Walking in the door, I prep myself for all the different things that I want. There is now a street taco stand on the concourse. I know I'm getting that. Like I, already, I know immediately that that is one of the things that I do. I feel like it's, it, it's almost un-American to go to a game and not have a dog so I usually get a dog on the grill and I am a sucker for churros, freshly made churros. Hey, that's a, that's a curve. You just threw me a curveball right there. So that's my, that's kind of my combination. I'm not big into nachos at games, but I, I love a good salty pretzel, but I mean, like I want it bathed in salt. That's what I want. When I, and I'll, I'll ask, I'll tip high, like just dump it in the salt again, just one more time. And I don't usually drink if I'm at a White Sox game because it is home base. It's a place where people can see me. It's one of the places in Chicago that I get recognized. So I don't want to get sloppy at a White Sox game. Okay. You could go incognito. I could no, see it. No, I've tried. I can't. <laughs> It, it doesn't work. Um, so at, I
1: never want to go to a White Sox game with you because I'll get mobbed because the Lawrence. Well, I mean,
0: they're going to see you and be like, oh my God, it's Stacey Dales from NFL Network. <laughs> like, that's what they're going to do. Um, but it's fun. And, and if you want to go to a White Sox game, I would love to go with you to a White Sox game. It's a lot of fun for me. I only live three miles from the ballpark. So, and it's, it's easy in and out at Wrigley. When I go to Wrigley, and I don't know if they still have it because it's been a minute, obviously, with the pandemic, they used to be D'Agostino's Pizza. And it's a pizza place that's right on the corner of what Addison and Southport.
1: I've had it. I've had it. It's pretty good.
0: I love it. And as far as ballpark pizza goes, it's really good because no diss to Detroit. But the owner of of the Tigers is also the owner of Little Caesars. And no diss to Little Caesars, but you walk into the ballpark and they're like, we got pizza. And it's like, oh, it's Little Caesars. Okay, (laughs) I'm going to go over here and I'm going to (laughs) try something a little bit different. But if it's Wrigley, over there, I love D'Agostino's pizza. I think that that's the one thing that Wrigley doesn't have. They don't. Overall, have great food, in my opinion. The D'Agostino's Pizza was great. I've never had any problems over there. I just like the vibe. And I will say, if I'm going to see a Cubs-Sox game, I prefer it over there than at my home ballpark. Because we act a fool.
1: Because can get the, you can get those beers. You don't have to worry about the paparazzi checking in
0: on you. It's just I've always found, even as a, a White Sox fan, like wearing all my White Sox stuff, I've found Cubs fans to be more than welcoming when I go to their ballpark. I've had a great time, like great back and forth, like good banter. My, my White Sox family, Stacey, well, my, my White Sox family, we, we got some problems. Like we, we, we see Cubs people coming to our ballpark and it just completely flips our mentality, and we're just ready to fight somebody. And so I don't like going to those games because I feel like I'm on edge at home. On the road, Cubs fans are like, yo, Homesy, come have a beer. Let's hang out. Let's talk about the game. What do you think about the season? And White Sox fans, and we're at our home ballpark, we're on 10. Like, I just, have to.
1: It's, I got you. That's, it, that that I think of like the the then uh Oakland Raiders if if you were a Niners fan going to a Raiders yeah. game,
0: Damn, no. Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> get like, out of it. get out of town. Right, I get it. I get it. Or like okay.
0: Philly fan, when you if the Giants are in town or the Cowboys are in town, it's it doesn't they're only the only other team I've witnessed it being like that. And I'm I'm actually I can't believe I'm actually going to one of these games. The Twins are like that. Like I am so petty when it comes to the twins. Like I hate the twins. I don't hate, I don't hate the Tigers. I don't hate Cleveland. I don't hate Kansas City. Although I, I'm a little on Kansas City. But the Twins, I hate them. I want to see them fail. Yeah. I want to see them fail miserably. So there's usually a little bit of heat in in the ballpark when the twins are in town, but there's a lot of heat when the Cubs are on, on the south side instead of the north side.
1: Well, okay. So I, I love guaranteed rate. I just love how spacious it is just as a fan. I love that concourse. Um, but I will say this and I'm not trying to be elitist or pretentious here, but the 1914 club at Wrigley
0: is (laughs) dope.
1: If you get a ticket to the 1914 club and you don't go, there's a problem. I agree
0: with you. You had
1: you had it, It's not Gibson's, right? It was at the time. I, God bless. Was it Spiaggia? Spiaggia? Yeah. Now I think they just closed down. I think, which is like I think I'm super sad about. But the food in there was like yeah, that's five star food. Okay, so I will say that. But I, I don't I'm disparage. I don't disparage. What I would say is, if you're sitting in the regular seats, get up to the 400 level at Wrigley. They have like this outdoor patio thing going on up there where they make the hot dog in front of you. This is important because if you're sitting and getting a hot dog, it's, 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 it's cold. It's dry. You can't get the same condiments on it, but you go up to the, I believe it's a 400 level. Yeah, you're right.
0: It's right before you get to the press level.
1: Mm -hmm. They got a burner up there. They're making those on the spot, Johnny on the spot and they are good. Okay. And they are loaded and they are good. Get a loaded hot dog up on the top level. Jumbo. I, I, be-
0: I like where your head's at. You, you sound a lot like my mom. Um, my, <laughs> my mom now, she's been spoiled, okay? Because of what her son does, she's been spoiled when she goes to ballparks. Now, my old man, even now, even at 76 years old, if I say to my father, I got bleacher seats, he's down, Okay. That is not work for the Queen. The Queen is not out here to be with the peasants, and she has told me as such because I have taken her to see games in a box and the box has a dessert cart. So once I introduced her to the dessert cart, there was no going back to, what do you mean I have to get up and go get my food? Someone's not gonna bring a cart by with a Sunday bar? That's ridiculous. love it she's so great. It. that is perfection how did, how did we get here what were we talking okay. about
1: well so you ta- you asked me how i prepare for like for instance
0: we We went all the way around the world to talk about bears lions right yeah but okay so i digress um the, the
1: food is way more important but uh, here here's what i would tell you just in a weekly you know preparation for me i i dig in i mean mondays are recap days we're usually on tv doing recaps of the games that we just had because as you know lawrence there is no shortage of storylines every given sunday in the national football league it's insane actually um like i've got my nfl game pass on and i'm darting around because there's so much happening um So Mondays are recaps Tuesday, Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm, I'm checking in with all the teams and I'm lining up interviews. Now, the difference now is we've got zooms. I mean, these zooms are, people can complain. We don't have the same in-person access, but we still get access and we get a lot of it. I could be on 15 zooms in every single day of the week. Wow. So you could be on, you know, a, a, all the quarterbacks might talk. So, you know, now it's, it's Jared Goff and, and we'll see Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. Um, They'll talk on Wednesdays and, and then you'll have a couple of other premier players, but then you might get the defensive players, a slew of them on Thursdays. The coach talks every day. So I'm on zooms every day, all day. And what I do is we get great research packets from the NFL and I devour them. Like i'm obsessed right we, we not only do we have to be i want to be i love it i love the storylines every week um next gen stats pro football focus all of it and um i build stories around sometimes i'll get one little nugget like for instance i did good morning football earlier today and you know we were talking about orcas right we we're th- this is one storyline that i'm going to be following for bears fans um you know, the defense having to sort of bears defense having been gassed so much because the offense can't stay on the field. So the defense, yeah, we see numbers decline, but it's not really because of, you know, it's not their fault necessarily. They're on the field the whole time. And so you look at Khalil Mack, right? He's an orca. What is an orca? It's a killer whale. So this is a storyline that if I were doing a game this week, I would want to do this story. 2018, Best defense in football, right? Vic Fangio and company. His quarterback pressures 59 in 2018. Mm. He was a monster. He was a true killer whale. A year later, that dropped 10 to 49 quarterback pressures. Last season, 37. So a 12 QB pressure drop. That is an insane storyline that with one player who could be, he had nine sacks last year, Khalil Mack is demonstrative. You have to game strategize around this individual. Um, This could be a storyline where we see him just explode and build on those nine sacks. So I would head into this weekend and talk about Orcas and Khalil Mack, and I would build around those stats. So that that could be potentially one of my reports. So that's just one storyline that I will look ahead to a Sunday. And say, that might be one of 10 that I do on Sunday mornings. And it is
0: a haul. Well, so that was another thing I wanted to ask you. <laughs> NFL game day morning, like, I watch it every week. It, I'll look up and I'll be like, wait a minute. <laughs> I just finished my yoga for the morning. I'm getting, brewing my tea. Why is Stacey on my television at 7.30 in the morning? Why is she at at the field so early. So what's the earliest that you've been on and and how difficult, how long a day are we talking about for you on Sunday?
1: Yeah, on average. So we used to have morning shows before the morning show. So I would typically have to be 5 a.m. at every stadium. Oh! Now we start at 8 central time for us in this um, central time zone. So I'm typically up, I would say at three forty-five every Sunday. Sure. My day wraps after post game by if it's at, let's say it's a noon game. I'm probably wrapping post game by eight, eight o'clock. So you're going from basically four to eight without travel. So if there's travel in there, I'm hopping on a flight. If I'm in Detroit, I'm hopping on a flight back to Chicago on Sunday night, if I can, because we have shows literally on, on, on Monday to recap. So those are long days, but I look at it like for every normal job, that's a nine to five, it's probably encompasses three days in one day. If that makes, does that make sense? A hundred percent, but I'll take it dude. Like to, to, to cover these storylines and to, to be completely in engrossed in this league, it's phenomenal. It's well, it's just like every sport we cover, right? Like, so, you know, major league baseball we're we're at the break and the all-star is here and, and the NBA race. And it's, there's always something to talk about. Um, but I love the, I love the NFL. I can't lie standing on a, standing on a field. I missed this last year in the pandemic, just being down there on the grass or the turf and, you know, brushing up with a player that you've become, you know, tight with over the years, build a relationship with a coach over the years. I miss those things because the energy is unparalleled as the game ramps up on a Sunday morning from when I get there, say, you know, 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., whatever the time we start until that kickoff happens. It is electric energy even before that thing even starts.
0: Yeah, I think people don't understand like how I try to, at least when I was doing it every day, like I try to bring people inside of it. It's amazing. Like being on the sideline during an NFL game, even with how good of a product it is on television, it's a wonderful product on television. Seeing the speed, the power, the ferocity, like, up close, the collisions up close, you get a real understanding for what these guys put themselves through on a weekend and week-out basis. I'm, I'm amazed by it every time I've witnessed it.
1: It's unreal. Like, you're right. So a three-hour, 15-minute game, that's the average. If you're down there or you're even remotely close – you see literally blood, sweat, and tears, mm-hmm. you know, cliches aside, you see guys, hey, guys, got to take a leak. He's jumping in the leak tent. Like th- this is a ser- like th- guy gets hurt. He's jumping in the, the, um, you know, to get analyzed in the cover tent. Like it's, it's intense and it's boom, boom, boom. And you'll, you'll encounter situations where you got players yelling at each other or trying to rally their team. And it is, you think about the best athletes on the planet with the collisions that they go through to pop up, to see that in person, to hear it in person. It's really a a, something to behold, I would say, Um, you know, and I I cherish every game I cover. I I am so grateful. Um, And I, I take it so seriously. Like it's, I put a lot into it and I I get a lot out of it in terms of being able to have a positive approach to what I do to tell reports in a positive way, even when there might be a negative story, because there's always negativity always.
0: What's a hidden gem in your NFL travels? Like what's a place where you were like, Oh, I can't believe they're sending me here. And then you got there and you were like, I like it here.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness! Well, Green Bay, dude.
0: Green Bay's pretty awesome.
1: Green Bay's amazing. I mean,
0: you roll up day. like you drive up, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like yeah. this little teeny tiny city that I'm in. There's a giant football stadium like right there, across the street from houses. Yeah, and it's
1: just so normal, but so abnormal. Like the food, the experience, everything about going to Lambeau and the buildup around it, the tailgating, all of it. It's really awesome. For Bears fans that are considering going and getting a ticket, I encourage you to do it. Yep. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, I have, I love the small town feel. I love going to Indianapolis, okay? Send me to Indy, give me a reservation at St. Elmo's, okay?
0: Hell yes.
1: Give me some shrimp cocktail and let me walk over to Lucas Oil. i am I'm a happy camper everything is right there i don't have to drive all these long distances it's like all self-contained just like green bay so i'm kind of a minimalist in that respect lawrence i like the small town feel i grew up in a small town um but i'm also if they call me and say dales will you go to new orleans i'm like shoot eh, yep go okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so here's what i figured out about new orleans from it's it is my second favorite american city chicago and then new orleans wow awesome i i love new orleans it's it's where i would i choose to go like no matter what like i love that place so here's my new orleans thing for you are you a french quarter person or are you a magazine street person cuz i've found that i've turned into a magazine street person as i've gotten older but i do tell people you If you've never been in New Orleans, you have to go to the French Quarter to experience it. But I've been there enough now where I find myself in in the Garden District quite a bit. Yeah.
1: So do you remember the Super Bowl that was most recently there? What year was that? I can't recall off the top of my head. A few years ago, the Super Bowl was in New Orleans. I would say I became a Magazine Street person after that. (laughs) Because the French quarter scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Give me the hell up out of there. <laughs> like, But I love the people in New Orleans. They're so nice. They're so welcoming. And those fans, that Houdat Nation is ah, insatiable. Like it's it's phenomenal to be in the Superdome. And even in the pandemic, I did three games in New Orleans, I think, last year, Lawrence including the Bears playoff loss, that thing was like bumping and they weren't at full capacity. It, it, it's insane. Like, it's crazy. Um, but the crazy fans around the league, Buffalo, shoot, the Raiders fans, they're nuts. And I love it. <laughs> like, as long as people are peaceful and there's no fighting and there are no uproarious, violent behaviors around the league. I'm off. I watched a guy come out of a uh, Buffalo once a long time ago and he like he peed his leg. Like he had peed. now it's kind of gross but it's also hysterical because it was like it was like the first quarter. Like dude,
0: what are you going to do? Row.
1: <laughs> <laughs> slow your row, dude. <laughs> Jeez. So this league is fun though. It's awesome and there's a lot of every city has something to offer. I will assure you that.
0: You spoke a little bit, and I know that you've been super gracious with your time, but I just wanted to ask you this because you were saying, look, I've been covering games outside of the pandemic. You, know, you've been, you were in the middle of it where there's no – what are you most looking forward to? Because it's going to be different. It's going to – I don't know. I don't want to say normal, but we are going back to the place where there's going to be 80,000 people, 100,000 people in Dallas for, for these games. What are you most looking forward to as someone who gets the opportunity to be around that on a weekly basis?
1: Yeah, probably three things. Being on the field and feeling that pregame energy, it's undeniably, uh, it just is like this, this rush that, you know, every report, you're just like, let's go, and it builds up to kickoff. So that, um, the postgame interviewing players again I pray we're able to do that but maybe my favorite part of the whole thing Lawrence is standing with uh any player who just won a game and you you get to you're standing with him in in all of his sweat and glory and smell and you, you're 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 experiencing this jubilation with this individual. I don't care who it is, what team it is, whether it's Allen Robinson or Devontae Adams in Green Bay, or T.Y. Hilton in Indy, or um, Matthew Stafford now with the Rams. Like it, it, whomever it is, it's it's always good, and it's the content is always spectacular, regardless. Um, so that, and then the fans. The fans back, Soldier Field's going to be bumping and rocking this year. I mean, it's it's going to be so much fun to have a full capacity uh, stadium back in action across the league. We feed off of it. The players feed off of it. I, I don't know of a player last year that didn't want fans. Um, we all follow the protocols. We did our thing. Um, and for me, I got my vax and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to roll. Training camp, bring it, bring it.
0: I'm here with you on that. Well, look, there's way more that we could do, but I also know that you have a life. So <laughs> I'm going to let you, and you got the dogs. um, And the dogs have been super good in the background this whole time. They've yeah. been good, good dogs this whole time. But I wanted to tell you, thank you. I, you know, I remember when we first met and I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's Stacey Dales. And you were like, yeah, and you're Lawrence Holmes. Like, I listened to you and I was like, what? Like I was yeah. so shocked um, mm-hmm. because I have been such a fan of yours, even from your playing days, because we're around the same age. So I remember you playing and for us to like build a friendship, I think is pretty dope. And I always wanted to have you on the podcast. So I'm, I'm grateful that you had time today.
1: I am grateful to be with you. I, I love what you do. I love you. I think you're, I think you make an impact on people. Um, I'm kind of an odyssey junkie so I do listen I appreciate <laughs> so it I, I hear that stuff I love the score when the score calls I'm like who is it yes who is it I don't but when it's Lawrence especially it's phenomenal so thank you for having me and uh,
0: uh, I guess I would tell you go socks right yeah then go socks and and <laughs> I mean I know that, that at some point like you're gonna be crazy because training camp is starting up but whenever you want to go to a ball game on the south side, I will be your tour guide. We will have a good time. I'm in. So, see, now I got Stacey Dales coming to hang out with me at a baseball game on the south side. How crazy is that? That was so much fun, and you can learn a lot from someone like her. Like, she's, she's pretty amazing. She's pretty amazing. And I'm so glad that she had time. And I feel like I was – I had so many questions and the conversation was so good. I have to be more respectful of people's time, but I hope that you got something out of it and that you enjoyed what it is that we put down digitally and had a lot of fun with it because I, I surely did. And I, I admire her. Like I'm, I'm not going, I'm not going to front. Like I'm a Stacey Dale stand from way back from the nineties, yo, so having her on the podcast was really incredible, and I look forward to doing, like, more stuff with her, whether it's, you know, more podcast stuff or doing have making sure that she's got time and hanging out on the radio. I really enjoy talking with her all over the place. Thank you so much for the support, like the, the continued support of House of We continue to experiment. <laughs> we continue to do all sorts of stuff, I'm told, I'm told that there is another episode of Roki, Ranji, and Tony coming. So if you've liked that so far, and you're like, I want more of that, I'm told that there is an episode with Joe Ostrowski. And I am dreading, and I'm, I'm saying that facetiously, the editing that I might have to do. I think this might be one of those episodes where I just let it ride. I'm not even sure if I... It would be irresponsible for me to not preview it. But I also kind of want to experience it as you experience it. And the idea of that, <laughs> I, find, I find hilarious. But I'm told that that is on the way. Meanwhile... Sports Adjacent is doing, I swear, every week there's some sort of story about Russ and what's happening with him when he's traveling on the road and you know about Tony. And I just feel like I want, I really want them, I'm not going to ask because that would, you know, I run know, I, I I'm not going to ask them, but I really want to just sit in On an episode. I don't even need to talk. I just want to sit there. And see the looks that they give Tony. When he says stuff. And maybe be a support system. For Jason Leisure. Because I think he might need it. Dealing with those two young men. They're both pretty outstanding young men. I will say that. Thank you so much. For listening to this episode. If you like this episode. Scroll through the catalog. I'm telling you, there are some people that have been, people request certain folks, and they have literally been on the podcast. So just scroll through and, and check out some of the episodes of some of the people that we've talked to, whether it's me or Maddie Lee. Like, that Cheryl Ray interview that she did? Fam, you need, if I'm telling you, you need to check it out. But thank you for your continued support of this independent podcast that we do. We really, really appreciate it. I will talk to you next time. Oh, wait, stop the music. Check this out. Since this is a podcast that is about media, I was reminded by a friend of mine that there was, there's an anniversary that's coming up. So there's going to be two episodes of House of L Actual that come out this week. And I imagine that the next episode will be a little emotional, but you will find out more about this business. All right? That's a tease. That's what we call in the business a tease. So thanks again for listening. Be on the lookout. There will be another episode coming out soon. I appreciate it.